I'm Larry Galgo. I'm Roger Berkowitz, and this is Name Brands, the podcast about the story behind your favorite brands. Today, we're delighted to have Bert Jacobs, who's co-founder and CEO, and in Bert's world, is chief executive optimist of Life is Good, which spreads the power of optimism through inspiring art, a passionate community, and groundbreaking nonprofit work. Bert and his brother launched their business with $78 in their pockets, selling t-shirts in the streets of Boston. Today, Life is Good is a $100 million positive lifestyle brand sold by over 2,000 retailers across the United States and Canada. But way back when, Bert worked as a ski instructor and a pizza delivery guy in Ville, Colorado, before teaming up with his brother, John, to sell and design t-shirts in college dorms up and down the East Coast. After five years traveling together in their van, living, eating, breathing in that van, which I know another parent would say, time to get a job, right, Brett? They officially launched Life is Good with the mission to spread the power of optimism. Early on, Bert and John were inspired by stories of people, mainly children, facing great adversity. These stories illustrated that optimism is the most powerful in the darkest of times and inspired in the creation of a fully integrated business model dedicated to helping kids in need. Life is Good donates at least 10%, which is awesome, to its annual net profits to Life is Good Kids Foundation to positively impact over 120 children daily facing poverty, violence, and illness. And to inspire others to choose optimism and grow the good in their lives, Burton John wrote Life is Good, the book, How to Live with Purpose and Enjoy the Ride, published by National Geographic. But Burt credits his mother as the first powerful optimist in their lives, the inspiration for Life is Good. Burt, it's a pleasure to have you. As I mentioned this last sentence about your mother, you know, I've read your book, and it seems like growing up, there was one part in the book that said, your mother said during dinner time, I don't want to hear anything negative or pessimistic. Tell me something that could happen today. So before we talk about the current day life is good, if you can just kind of go back in time with how your mother was an inspiration to you and growing up with your siblings, I think that our, our audience would love to hear how the whole thing um, you know, started from day one. Sure. Uh, no problem. Well, first of all, uh, Larry and Roger, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's funny, you know, when you're a kid, you don't realize the influence of your parents, cause is, is how much it's impacting your life. And we certainly didn't know that our mom was kind of teaching us deep and meaningful life lessons. It was just a routine at the dinner table where she didn't so much emphasize on uh, the idea of not saying negative things. She just would say, tell me something good that happened today. And it became a bit of a ritual. And as adults, when we look back, we realize that she did something very clever. She changed the energy in the house. Our house had uh, probably its, its share of dysfunction. And our father growing up was quite depressed and quite angry most of the time. And he wasn't a bad guy, but he, he got some tough breaks. And, um, you know, the American dream started to fall apart and he didn't have enough money. And he had six kids, and uh, he lost the use of his right arm in a car accident. One thing led to another, and he just uh, he just was always yelling and screaming. And and my mother could have crumbled under this pressure, and instead, she took control, and she she showed us that optimism is a choice. And uh, later, when we were struggling with a failing business selling T-shirts in the streets, um, we kind of went back to those lessons. And realized that um, that that the world needs more of that idea, and that the media, in particular these days, since it's so pervasive, is loaded with negativity and always reinforces to us what's wrong with the world. So we just had a hunch and thought, well, maybe there's room for some simple positive message. 
Mm-hmm. So, so you and your brother wake up one day and you decide that you're going to sell T-shirts cross country. You're going to take seven weeks to do it. Um, at that point, were you thinking, hey, this is a great business idea or this is a great way to see the country and maybe if we sell enough T-shirts, it's sustainable to get us there? What's going through your mind? Yeah, um, maybe a little of both. Um, I would say it slightly differently. I think it was an opportunity to avoid getting a job. You know, <laughs> it, it really was. And, um, that was five it, years it was, took a creative, you, right? it was yeah. a creative way of getting a job. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and, it and was. I'm sure as much as you loved your mother, she's probably saying, guys, five years, it's time yeah. to get a job and get real, right? Well, actually, no. Our parents worked with yeah. there were a lot of people who said that. Yeah, so yeah. A lot of people in those years said to us, hey, you know, you went to college, get a job kind of thing. But our parents were actually, they, they encouraged us. They would ask how things went when we got back from those road trips. And we'd tell them it was okay, and they'd say, stay at it. See, see how you can do it, you know? So, um, you know, what was going through our mind? I mean, we wanted to try to make a career creating art, but we were intimidated by the world of fine art. So we determined that T-shirts was, A, financially accessible to us, right? So you could buy 48 T-shirts and screen print them at a local screen printer and get out in the street and find out whether something could sell. That's very little capital, you know? So we talked about that. The, the second thing was that um, the culture of, of fine art kind of turned us off and we didn't feel welcome in that environment. And so we thought, you know, with, with T-shirts, it's a little more down to earth. And if somebody likes your art or your message and they're willing to put it on their chest, that's a big deal. That might be more important than hanging it on their wall, you right. know? And um, so even though we were, quote unquote, failing in those first five, first five years in the street, we were actually enjoying it. We were enjoying the interaction with people. We were enjoying visiting a lot of cities and college campuses of schools that we couldn't get into. You know what I mean? So we were right. visiting all these beautiful places. And you could say, oh, that was rough. You're sleeping in the van. We didn't mind it. You weren't we were re- really feeling. You were really doing research. As you look back now, that was your research. Right. You're right. You're right, Roger. You. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, a really um, accurate observation because we were learning a lot. And I think all, even the worst of our days, we, we learned things. We really learned a lot when we were traveling, and it, it helped us when we finally got something that had some commercial viability and traction. Mm-hmm. So what happened? Here it is. You come to $78 in your pocket. Was that the time that all of a sudden the company took a major turn with the borning, or with, the, with Jake being born? And because Jake yeah. basically is now the face of Life is Good as far as I'll call it a caricature type of yeah. person, and Rocket, his dog. Yeah. If that didn't happen, because before it was just a Life is Good in the T-shirts, so was Jake and Rocket, were they kind of the stimulus to all of a sudden propel the brand to a whole different well, level? Well, actually, actually, almost. They, yeah. they happened at the same time. So in the five years, we didn't have Life is Good. But between 1989 and 1994, we didn't really have any brand or any common thread running throughout the T-shirts we were designing. We were designing something different every couple of weeks, and we were trying. So we were, we were trying, missing, selling enough to get by, selling enough to, you know, kind of a, avoid, uh, you know, giving it all up. And then we sold the first shirts with the words "Life is Good." and Jake, just his face. We sold 48 t-shirts in 45 minutes. Ask a bird, what made you create Jake? 
Yeah, that was it was a recurring conversation about the media and and um, a depressing conversation, to be really? honest with you. Now, the, the reality is that humanity hasn't made things worse and worse. This is a, you know, it's a debate. But you could argue that human beings live longer now, that distribution of wealth is greater than it's ever been, mm-hmm. that we've cured a lot of diseases, we've created sanitation systems, uh, women have more rights than they ever had, uh, minorities have more rights than they ever had. All of these things that we rarely hear. In fact, it sounds when I'm saying this like I'm making something up or I'm on drugs. Right. Right. Because all we hear. Hey, hey, anything goes in this podcast. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just yeah, want right. you to know this That's is not a censor. No bogey that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it really does like, you know. Uh, well, I'll say to a, a, you know, a group of a few hundred executives or something, we're living in the most peaceful time in the history of the world. And you look at their faces, nobody believes that's true. Now, statistically speaking, that's undeniably true. And the further back we go in time, the greater your chances were of dying at the hands of another human being, mm-hmm. right? And so we talked about all of these things, maybe without all the data and the research that's available these days. We talked about them and we thought this could, you know, usually when you have a puzzle or a problem, it spells opportunity for entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. right? If something mm-hmm. has to get solved. So it's still incredibly um, true and pervasive negative information about humanity. It makes us all believe we're on a losing team. So the three simple words, life is good, were just our way of saying, we should all be grateful, and there's a lot of good things happening, and let's try to celebrate those things. So, so it strikes me as I watch sort of the evolution of, of Jake and, and the smile and that you're sort of evolving into politics, if you will. Uh, your, your message is changing a little bit. The theme you know, certainly as life is good and you should yeah. keep optimistic, but you're now sort of getting into other arenas that you ne- initially didn't start out doing. Can you talk a little bit about that? I, I'm not sure that's true. I'm, I'm interested to see <laughs> examples. So like um, we've actually always had a philosophy on politics that we don't have to, everybody privately at Life is Good has their own ideas and Mm -hmm. they might vote right they might vote left whatever it is and i think our customer base can be both right and left what we try to do is point out um good things that are happening Mm -hmm. so that might speak to different markets like outdoor market or Mm -hmm. beach market um and it might speak in general to just humanity but we try not to take a political position. Well, you know, it's interesting yeah. because I saw the original Jake yeah. was looking pretty white. And then as I watch, I, and then I saw the shaded Jakes yeah. sort of come in. So it's sort of like you have your pulse sort of on yeah, so I, I wouldn't say so that's interesting. You know, I, I think this is a common misperception, um, a misconception that that to me is about human rights. Mm-hmm. That's neither left or right politically. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I, I, but it's I making don't, a statement, though, right? Sure. We, we, I think we make lots of statements mm-hmm. about lots of things, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's a political statement. I don't think anybody on the right or left would say that the color of somebody's skin should make, maybe in the past, but today, I don't think anybody publicly would come out and say the colors of someone's skin should make them more or less valuable. So we're not afraid to make what we think is a statement about human rights. 
Um, and we don't consider that political. Right. Well, you know? I, I see you being more inclusive. That's the point. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the intention was never for Jake to be of a race. You know, right or wrong, a piece of he, paper he just is white. white though. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? He felt so, good. So, so when you draw a line <laughs> on a piece of paper, yes. you could say that you drew a white face. He was kind of he you, was kind of skinny too, but right. I, you know, yeah, yeah. he was fit. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 he was a stick figure. Mm-hmm. You know, right. so I think those things speak more to our uh, lack of uh, you know sophisticated artistic. Yeah. skill than they do about political arena. <laughs> we have Jake, we have Rocket. I'm just curious, as we're talking about it, yeah. is there an extended family coming up next? Is there going to be a sister of Jake's or a, yeah, it's, a grandmother yeah, Jackie, of Jake's? Jackie, Jackie in there. Yeah, yeah Jackie. Jack- we, we, do you know there is a Jackie? Is there a Jackie? Jackie? Yeah, this guy's got, got a crystal ball. So Jackie... <laughs> I have a daughter, Jackie, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, so, so Jackie, we, we, we got this, you know, from our customer base 10 years ago, yeah. and they were really, you know, adamant, why, why is the character male? That's reasonable. So we introduced Jackie, and Jackie sold very well. When was this? Probably 10 years ago. Really? Yeah. So we introduced Jackie, and, and Jackie all of a sudden is mountain climbing and mountain biking and hiking and playing guitar and gardening and any other healthy lifestyle, right? The problem was it was doubling our inventory to cover a category, but it wasn't doubling our sales. So it was increasing sales, but it, it wasn't quite paying for itself. So we had a funeral for Jackie, right? <laughs> Behind the scenes, right? Now here's the interesting part. So Jake and Rock are making great royalties and Jackie... And Jackie <laughs> wasn't carrying her weight. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Um, <laughs> recently, and, and this actually isn't, uh, you know, isn't out yet in the market, but I don't, I don't mind saying it now. We have a, a very large customer base that wants not, nothing but vintage life is good. They want the classic art style, um, that classic sort of stick figure-ish Jake and Jackie and Rocket the Dog. And we like that customer and they're great, right? But we also are creating these days lots of new styles of art and lots of new ideas. Right. So it's been a puzzle because we're kind of living in both worlds. So we've decided recently we're going to create basically the vintage button on our website and they'll be available to retailers right. but it was going to be a separate label a vintage label which will have our original logo we're going to introduce a new logo that's similar but different it's a little more sleek it's updated etc but it's the three magic words life is good and we're celebrating the power of optimism on both of them right so it's just a style difference and um and it's interesting too that, that for a while we were looking saying the vintage classic life is good art the customer base just like us is aging okay and older, yeah. right yep yes however yep. now we're on we have a license on 20 college campuses big football college campuses right biggest in the country and 19 and 20 21 year old kids love the vintage stuff too i think i say so that you can't say you can't judge based on age and what's old is new all right so so what's happening you, you're spreading your demographics out a little bit now right? right between millennials so those of us that are ranging so pretty soon you're going to have we're not there yet i'm not larry maybe but i'm not <laughs> there yet pretty soon we're going to have seniors right so i was just thinking i you know just what if there was 
I said something funny coming here. Get ready, Brett. You know, you mentioned the word funeral. So what if... It's not going to be a casket license What if you had an aging Jake... All right, on a cane, yeah, and and underneath it, it said life was good. Uh, <laughs> oh, right? I love pickleball. <laughs> or, yeah. or 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 or, uh, or 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 Jake, you know, in an open casket, and it said life was uh, good. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I like to, you know, uh, life was good, but once he's in the casket, after life is good. <laughs> okay, right? all right, no more uplifting. actually, it's it's interesting. Even though you're having fun, um, elderly people might be. The most interesting people on the planet they have the most experience right and in our culture we tend to put them off somewhere you know as if they don't have a use that's right and then what's the biggest problem with our education system there's not enough mentors there's not enough teacher per student we should be utilizing these people they've lived incredible lives so i think life is good is well positioned to do something with elderly people you know what i mean i think things that are looked at as a challenge to you know um like that, or 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 like uh, physical difficulties, et cetera, et cetera. Celebrating those things, you know, is is an opportunity. Um, we 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 tried something with that too. Um, handicap isn't the right uh, politically correct word. What what it, disabled people, people with some challenges? Challenges. Challenge. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. so um, we we tried some graphics like that, and the trouble was the people with the actual challenges loved it. And men and, and for most of them, their life is good. They They're felt, they felt good. Pity. They felt good. They, they loved it. They wrote mm. us great letters. They bought the things. There were a few special catalogs that we sent it, sell, sold them through. But the majority of our customer base thought we were being mean and making fun because you did like Jake in a wheelchair and said life is good. And so it was a tricky one. We had to stop it, and uh, it was it was unfortunate. So, but, Brett, um, how how are you selling? I remember years ago, you had company-owned stores. You had what was called genuine neighborhood shops. Yes. And now we have a whole different world of the internet. And I I seen yeah. the stuff like that in Newport, Rhode Island, in the music box. I seen you. Yeah. I seen your, your in the paper with paper store. I think it's called whatever. Yeah. And so right now, what is your what are your retailing channels distribution as far as how you're selling now versus sure. like even five years ago? And where do you see that changing? Maybe we'll say the next two or three years. Yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, so our primary uh, distribution channel from the beginning and still today is wholesale. So we sell to thousands of retailers in the U.S. that carry multiple brands. That includes outdoor, sporting goods, uh, fashion boutique, resort and destination, et cetera, et cetera. Our e-com business is sizable and the fastest growing. Right, it's more than a quarter of our business. We're how, private, how fast so we has that grown over the last five years? Annually, between fifteen and twenty percent every okay. year. Okay, yeah. so it's that's, not like in, you know, in, in the early years it would double, it would triple, right, et cetera. Right. It's still very sharp growth, mm-hmm. and there, there's we learn every mm-hmm. year how to be better at it, how to listen to our customers better, how to grow it, and we offer a better product. So it, it grows, and I, and um, you know, it's your strongest margin. And I think the most valuable component of the e-com business is that you get instant feedback. And it's not feedback from a survey or a focus right. group. Mm-hmm. It's somebody reaching in their pocket and buying something or not. Right. And, and they tell you, you know, reasons they bought it, reasons they didn't buy it. So there's that. Then we have our genuine neighborhood shops, which is still strong nationally. 
It's about 70 doors today. And, and these are like almost like, I hate to use the word franchisees, but they were like- It's many, like a like, franchisee. Like franchise, right? we, we, yeah. it's, it's actually technically not a franchise model. Right. And it's technically part of a wholesale division, but it's a dedicated store that sells just nothing your, but life is just good. Just your brand, right. It's run by local people that live in that community, that know people in that community. And uh, Is it, it almost like a mom-pop lifestyle little boutique store? That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's a bit old-fashioned. Yeah. And then finally, we have a partnerships division. So uh, that's one that's really heating up these days, and, and we have fun things in categories outside of apparel, uh, primarily through license relationships. Now, now, you mentioned partnerships. This is really different because for years, I'm saying it loosely, it was you, it was John, and I call it a family of people who came from day one, kind of organically grown. Yeah. And recently, you hired a new president yes. and a new director of licensing, I believe, from Reebok. Yeah. So that's a major step in addition, yeah. a, a major change in your vision of where you see the company growing in the future. Yeah. Share with us why you brought those kind of folks on board, because I know well, we will talk about some of the partnerships, which are phenomenal yeah. You know, as we go along the conversation. But yeah. what was the, the thought process saying, you know, it's time to go outside the family yeah. and get these specialties yeah. to really grow the next evolution well, of the company? Well, I think it was a realization, you know, like so many businesses, uh, when the recession hit, 2008, right? Um, we had never experienced anything but sharp growth, really sharp growth. I mean, we went from um, selling... $260,000 total in uh, revenue the first year we sold Life is Good to retailers. Then we went to 620, 1.2, 3 million, 6.2 million, 13 million, and in two years from there, 40 million, right? And you're saying, wow, this is happening. Well, we yeah. just, I think we, you know, we were one of those typical entrepreneurs that got lucky and thought that we would just had magic dust. Then the recession hit. And we started going in the wrong direction. Our revenues fell and profitability fell for several years in a row. And again, you know, we're a private company. We don't publish these things or love to go. This is a business community, so I don't mind at this stage, especially since we're recovered <laughs> um, and we're going in the right direction now, m mentioning it. It's not something we really talked about to the press, but, but it's no secret that a lot of our retailers were closing their doors. Chapter 11, chapter 15, well, it was, things have been It was rough. business as usual was changing at that That's point, right. and people had to change the model. That's right. They thought it was, some people thought it was temporary. That's right. And, and those are the ones that, you know, that, that, that exited. Yeah. But those that saw it as, okay, we just have to retool for what's happening yeah. going forward. That's right. So there were many things that, you know, we had to sort of self-analyze and look at this business. And, you know, thankfully, we, we own 100% of the business still during that growth you know, we had offers to sell or go public or, or um, you know, take outside money to grow faster, et cetera. And we resisted those temptations so that we would have control, you know, o over the baby. And we're happy that, about that today because we love our brand and we love the work, right? And um, so we recognized a few things. One was that we had sort of pigeonholed our brand with that very successful original art style. And while it's very uh, successful and a lot of people love it, not everybody wants to wear a cartoon. So our, we think our brand is bigger than that. So let's create different art styles that speak to different uh, people out there from different walks of life. That was one. On the business development side, we kind of came to the realization that it outgrew our skill set, right? So I'd been president and CEO all along. And I, I was, you know, maybe good enough to get us from A to B, 
Well, now is at a point where there's multiple business units uh, running all over the country. I've got a leadership team of nine people with separate departments who need a lot of attention, uh, many of them more skill and experience than me. So at a certain point, I think entrepreneurs, you know, founders have to raise their hand and say, there's people who can do these things much better than me. And take well, it to the next level. That's also very healthy, yes. I mean, to be able to realize that. A lot Identify, of people don't yeah. realize it yeah. and either stay the same or they go south. So right. the fact that raising their hand. Right, right. Right. Huh? Yeah. yeah, many times they'll go south. Yeah, you yeah. don't realize I mean, it, or the ego gets in the way, saying, "I can keep doing it." But well, it's so, certain skill set to go one level and to bring it to the next. So right. the yeah. smart people say, "Okay, let me bring in really good talent around me. Let me spend a disproportionate amount of time doing what I do best, and let people do what they do best." And that's exactly. where you see the real exactly. Growth. So you know, like we're we're slow, but we're precise. And, and we got there eventually. Uh, I, I hear you, know? you on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, now, that, now that we did it, yeah. 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 I yeah. wish I did it 10 years ago, right? Sure. But I didn't know. You can't see these things. And we needed to fall down and scrape our knees to realize. And it got, it got a little scary there. But the interesting thing is we started interviewing CEOs and presidents from brands that we admire we said, we'll, we'll pay for whoever. We, we got a great brand. We're going to get the best person. We were interviewing the best of the best. And then right under our nose, on the board of our Kids Foundation, was this woman, Lisa Tanzer. And I have to admit, I was a bit ignorant about her whole skill set because she had been killing it in, in her professional career and then made a decision when she had young kids that she wanted to be with her family right? And this is, you know, 20 years ago. And so she took a break and said, I'll re-enter the business world. Now, during that whole time, she's been helping us with the social work and the nonprofit side of our brand, but I didn't know everything she had. We got in a bind for marketing, and I knew she had a marketing background, and I knew she was sharp, so we pulled her in to help on that. And within 60 days, I noticed that not only was she taking care of everything in marketing, but she was leaning into my office saying, if you want help in wholesale, if you want help in e-com, I might be able to help you with operations, et cetera, et cetera. And she was right a lot. And and so one day in the The middle of these interviews, I, I pulled her out of a meeting. I said, Lisa, have you ever thought about yourself for president? And she looked at me and said, oh, yeah. Really? Wow. 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 Very, so very nice. so she, was, she was being when polite you expect it, right? and, and yeah, waiting cool. for us to figure it out. So wow. even at that point, I said, you're going to have to interview just like anybody else, and you're not going to you know, get any privileges. And she won it. She won the job. So she's been That's in awesome. place a little over a year and a half. And it's strong evidence that we should have done this a while. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's always the case. Yeah. Hey, but say, so one of the things I can't help noticing, you have started co-branding with a number of different business partners. Dunkin' Donuts certainly is one of them, because I, I can see the DD on, yeah. your, uh, on your sleeve there. Yeah. Tell us how y- you sort of went from, you know, just sort of doing your own to co-branding. Yeah. So starting with this one, the Dunkin', it's a real interesting one. Um, Dunkin' did, uh, I, I think you guys spoke recently with the CEO. Nice guy. So they, they did a deep dive on their own brand and went to a third party you know, consulting group, and they learned some things. And um, I think one big thing they came away with is you only have so many resources. They're a big business, a big brand, and uh, they they want to emphasize less the food and the donuts and more the coffee. Well, that's a big decision when you look at all those marketing dollars. They say you want to be the best at something. All right, they're going to be the number one 
um, coffee to go or a hot drink to go in America. That's a big mission, right? So they're going after that. The second thing they say, what does our brand mean? What does it stand for after all these years? And the answer that came back after deep research was positive energy. So they got together with their executive team and said, well, we can't do it alone. Who should we partner with? And somehow or another, we're another local New England company, and we've always been about positive energy. Um, they, we were the number one brand that they wanted to work with on some things. So they, they called us up and asked if we would design their uniforms. And I said, well, we're, we're flattered. You're a great brand, but I have a slightly different idea if you're open-minded. What's that? Well, everybody that has uniforms in the restaurant business wears like staff shirts. Isn't it more comfortable to just wear a T-shirt? And what if you let your staff just choose our T-shirts? Now, it would be great for, for us from a business standpoint right. because the message you're after, so the message you're looking at right now wasn't created for Duncan comes right out of our line. We sell this online today. We've been selling it for many years, right? So we will co-brand. We're putting Duncan on the sleeve and we're proud to be a partnership with them. But the idea was a little novel in that, what if your staff could just wear a shirt that they'd wear on their day off? Hanging out, watching a football game, going to see a concert or something. And Duncan was very open-minded about it. So we're in test phase right now. We've, we've done the first store in the country with this whole new look that they have. We're going to about 55 stores now. And if it goes well, then we'll go nationally with it. And the way we look at it, really in answer to your question, Roger, is there a big change? The mission of our business, Life is Good, is to spread the power of optimism. Mm-hmm. What we want is, t- we're really not about being a clothing brand, an apparel brand. It's more that the apparel is a communication vehicle between us and other human beings. So the more touch points and connection we can have with human beings, the better. Duncan has something really magic in that they are the first place in the morning that a lot of people connect with another human being. You know, maybe somebody outside their house for the first. So if we can be there infusing some positive energy, those people have to go out and meet with their customers or their boss. They have to go home to their own families, people they love in their lives. If in the morning we can have some influence on them to be an optimist, that's what our mission's about. And they can choose any T-shirts they want. That'll be a form of the self-expression. And in turn, that's going to increase morale. And also, it's going to provide fun. A little more fun, upbeat, versus like the stage look. That's right. I think what we get, you know, you have to look at every partnership. And there's some other interesting ones cooking for us. But like, you have to look at every one and say, what is a partnership? Both sides have to get something, right? So with Duncan... We get resources, we get a big brand, we get loyal customers. They run a great business. We like what their brand is about. And they're and they're fun too. Right. You know? What they get with us, I think, is a an authentic brand that has stood for the same thing for twenty-four years and a brand that's showed that capitalism can also solve social issues and can be the good guy. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's something like uh, statistics show 76% of Americans have a negative vers- visceral reaction to the word capitalism. That's a shame because in our opinion, capitalism has always solved social issues. You know, it, it always has. Now it's also, there's been a lot of greed and it gets what it deserves in some respects, but I think we can be an example and Duncan can too of how businesses that are lucky, that prosper, can help their communities. So one of the greatest things, and I would say the number one 
reason we did the deal with Duncan is they have a kids foundation and we have a kids foundation. So you got to make the business work. But 10% of our profits is always going to kids that need it. And they have a kids foundation. Ours actually uh, does the hands-on social work. Theirs is more of a grant writing. We see a beautiful potential mm-hmm. marriage there. Hey, Roger, mm-hmm. you, it's amazing. I read that Schwinn, all these years, they've only branded, co-branded another product, and that was with the Beatles for the yellow submarine bike. It's the really? only other one they've done. That's right. And so been, kudos to you. We like that, that company. Life is good. Wow. It's yeah. the second brand they co-marketed wow. with. Yeah. And it's awesome, man. Yeah, so they've been very selective, <laughs> and, and there's Even a the lot Beatles. of synergies. It's really fun. I mean, who That's doesn't great. want to be in the company of the Beatles? That's awesome. You know? Yeah. So it, <laughs> really, really fun, and it's a, it's a really good example. So um, we need to bring our brand to places where we're not. Because really, the only way we reach our vision is by increasing our community, you know? Mm. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that if I was on your marketing team, you'd kick me off. But, 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 so far, you're fired. But, no, can yeah. I, do you ever wake up and fantasize a little bit about, you know what, we're missing half the marketplace. We're, we're, we're missing, you know, people that, you know, that, that are pessimists, um, you know, people who are curmudgeons, people who yeah. are depressed, yeah. Yeah. you know. Could there be, like, in one of your stores, a back dark corner that says, life sucks? <laughs> 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 I mean, of course. <laughs> hey, you know, it's a, even though it's funny, once again, Roger brings up a lot of good points. So, like, if the world, this is an age old, is the glass half full, is it half empty? No matter what you do, no matter what we do, half the people out there are going to see it half empty. Half people are going to see it half full, right? So life sucks off brand for us, but I'll tell you what's on brand for us and we're producing it right now. Life isn't easy. Life isn't perfect. Life is good. On Prozac. Big farm deal. Yeah. Yeah, So, so, Roger, um, Roger, if it happens, we know where it started. But but in all seriousness, Roger, like one of the things that we've noticed with our customers, first from all these people that wrote us letters about difficult things they're going through people going through chemotherapy, people who lose a child to some type of illness, et cetera, people growing up with poverty, violence, all these difficult things. We hear from them a lot. And surprisingly, those are the people that embrace the message the most if they've made it through these difficult times, right? And the people who are unchallenged have a difficult time seeing that life is good, believe it or not. Right. So what do we do with that as a business? You know, We're trying a lot of different messages that kind of show the dark side of, of life. But it shows that optimism on a dark day can be mm-hmm. your most powerful mm-hmm. tool. And I think that's, that's really the purpose of the brand. If no one had any trouble in the world, optimism has no value. You know, the, the idea for us isn't to ignore that there's obstacles. It's to focus our limited resources on the opportunities, right? Which once again ties so closely to business and entrepreneurship, right? Entrepreneurs are people who see opportunities where most people don't. And um, that's what our brand is about. It's about waking up in the morning. None of our lives are perfect, but we all wake up in the morning. We have a choice to spend our energy on what's wrong with our life or what's wrong with the world or put it into what's right with our life because whatever we put it into will grow. 
You know, Roger, I've heard Bert give a couple speeches, some conferences, and just to piggyback what you said, because I have something here I wrote down, because it stayed with me, I think, for like seven or eight years when you give a speech in San Francisco at the uh, International Health Rocket Sports Club Association. Yeah. If it's good, I said it. If it's not no. so good, it was my brother. <laughs> no, no, it was good. And you yeah. out there, and you, and you had letters for kids who were challenged with cancer and so forth, and you said something very profound, and I thought back, like, my wife's mother was in a nursing home for a while. Yeah. My wife would say to me, Larry, I have to go see my mother. And say, no, Bert, Jacob said, Bert Jacob said, you don't have to see a mother. You get to see a mother. And it's a real profound difference. And you should be fortunate for the things that are really good. Yeah. Thank thank you, Larry. Yeah, it's a really simple uh, tool, and we use it all the time. You know, you, you say, I have to go grocery shopping. That's one way to look at it. Oh, bummer, you have to go grocery shopping. Number one, you have money in your pocket. Number two, you, you are fortunate enough to walk into a store that's filled with a plethora of food from all over the world. That's a privilege. I mean, everyone through history would be so lucky, and we complain about it. We complain about having to do the laundry when a machine does the laundry for us. That's <laughs> you know what I mean? That's it's true. silly. <laughs> All right. Now we have something, bro. Roger's <laughs> always complaining about the laundry. Any- <laughs> You're right. You're right. How did you know? <laughs> um, all right. Now we have something called the lightning round, where we ask a you know sort of like quick question and answer yeah. scenario. So... Uh, my first question on the lightning round is, who's smarter, you or your brother? My brother's smarter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, See, a, in the family business, you get to ask those questions. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Right. And he's not here to do anything about it. Hey, Bert, right. if you didn't name the company Life is Good, what was the runner-up brand name you were considering? Well, we had a weak one. It was uh, Jacob's Gallery, our last name, and we wanted to emphasize the artwork. Thank God Life is Good came along. We would have been out of business in two years. (laughs) (laughs) Name a T-shirt that you printed that, in in retrospect, you wish you hadn't. Good one. Um, We did a T-shirt for Valentine's Day with with a heart, and there was a cat coming over the top of it, and it was probably the sappiest thing we've ever created <laughs> and it actually sold okay uh-huh. but we were embarrassed of it anyway so if I could wipe one thing off it would be that cat Valentine's Day t-shirt <laughs> okay I'll blame that one on my brother okay. <laughs> another one I'm John right yeah he has a fine arts degree right yes yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly tell me when you're feeling down oh, we all feel down right yeah. what's the one thing you do that lifts your spirits or yeah. gets you back on track yeah um, I'm really clear on that so on the one hand, the nonprofit work that we do is difficult because it puts you in touch with people that are going through really difficult struggles in their lives. The gift from it is that it puts your life in perspective. So if I'm having a bad day, I can guarantee that I know people and have personally met people that were trying to help with our foundation whose lives are more difficult than mine. And so when, you're, when your life you think is so challenging and you're frustrated and you're angry or you start to get depressed about something, I find that I just compare my life to somebody else and I realize that I'm really lucky. Right. Very good. Yeah. I've heard that some T-shirt manufacturers, particularly those affiliated with sports, if they print the wrong winning team on a T-shirt, the T-shirts end up in some third world country. Yeah. Um, What's the most interesting place we might find one of your T-shirts? It's a, it's a good question. We have a really great partnership with our factories in Peru. And uh, with a name like Life is Good, we, we have to be really, really careful about things like human rights in factories. And, you know, because you can't be saying life is good over here and then you're taking advantage of you know, kids working in a factory or 
or people not getting paid, et cetera, et cetera. And the same is true of being uh, wise about what you do with closeouts because we make mistakes, et cetera. So um, most of those mistakes go through U.S. distributors and they find outlets in the States. So far, we've been fortunate and, and you wouldn't find them in any uh, any any places that I think would surprise us too much. Another thing we're working on too is recycling defects. So you Mm -hmm. can destroy a t-shirt and make new t-shirts of it. In fact, we're working on a project where we could recycle people's old t-shirts because people have too many t-shirts. That's right. They right. only have a couple that they like to wear. Right, right. But, but they, and they have insatiable appetite for more, which on the one hand is good for business. Sure. But every individual has a problem of too many t-shirts. What do you do with them? Well, if we could send around t-shirts to people and help them out by getting their t-shirts, but make new t-shirts out of, out of you know, Nike and North mm. Face and everybody mm. else's t- mm. and ours, mm. that'd be a nice story. So we're working on that. You know, for, for 29 years, you've been doing this. Five years in the van, 24 is life is good. What one piece of advice would you give someone listening to our podcast today who is contemplating getting into the retailing world? Make something and sell it in the street. Because I, we be, meet people all the time who come up with ideas. They have, you know, two years worth of research, another year of prototyping things, another year of... Uh, focus groups and surveys, blah, 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 blah. Mm. It pours the shit out of you at a certain point. Make something and sell it. Because we got lucky that way because we didn't have the resources or money for all of those other things, so we didn't get bogged down with it. But when I look back, that was fortunate because we instantly were in touch with the consumer. We heard what wasn't selling, what was selling. You got to get traction. You got to find out if something's commercially viable or not. People spend so much time in the developmental stages and they never get to the consumer. And all of those things, focus groups and surveys and all these different things, they're data points. I'm not, I'm not saying they're not valuable, but they're they're one one hundredth as valuable as whether a person would actually reach in their pocket and buy something well, or not. Right. Otherwise, they're working in a vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. Good, good right. advice. And, and Bert, one last question. Taking a look at Larry, if you had to dress him in a, in a T-shirt that would be most emblematic of his uh, physique and persona, what would, you, what would you dress him in? Life is good and getting better. All right. I love yes. that. I'm with you, man. Right here. All right. I love looks, it. I've known Larry a long time. He hasn't aged one day. I don't know. He's well, got a magic well, elixir, which I'm sure will gla- be coming let me, to market. Let me see the prescription on those glasses. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good. Bert Jacobs, co-founder, along with your, you said, smarter brother, John. Yes. Of, yes. Uh, of Life is Good. This has been, uh, you know, very entertaining and, and insightful for us. Thank so, you, Roger. So thank you. Thank you. Larry. Thanks, Great. thanks for being us. Wonderful. Remember to subscribe to Name Brands on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app and get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. We're at Name Brands Pod on Twitter or on Facebook at Name Brands Podcast. That's it for us. I'm Roger Berkowitz and he's Larry Golko. Oh, good luck. Oh, we've been there. Well, 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 I thought that was mine. Highlight for me. <laughs> well, well, in any event, we'll okay. be back and talk to you again next Wednesday. Right, that's it for us. We'll be back to talk to you again next Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in.